Welcome to the Facts Are What Matter podcast, where we discuss the lies, the myths, and the propaganda being promoted by the media and society. Let's all be informed, not uninformed, or even worse, misinformed. Here we go. Hello, I'm your host, Dave Swinford, and in this episode, we're going to be discussing some of the facts about solar energy. Now, before we get started, I just want to ask you to please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. My whole point in doing this is to get the truth out to as many people as possible. So let's get started. There's some things about solar energy I thought were blatantly obvious, but after a little dust up with some folks on Facebook, it became apparent that there's still some misconceptions on solar energy by by the general public. So if you listen to my podcast with Francis Minton, which was episode 15, you should understand some of the problems with energy storage and distribution. Hopefully, this will not be too remedial if you listen to that episode. Now, all energy production is transitory. It's generated when needed and used immediately. There is no storage, energy storage in the typical electrical grid, and that is mostly because it's too hard and too costly to do it. Now, as electrical demand rises and falls, certain power plants are brought on and off the grid to supply the necessary power. That's how it works. As to the usefulness of solar Solar, I would attempt to give some specific examples that are easy to relate to. The solar panels, also called photovoltaic or PV, you'll see that listed, you buy, the solar panels you buy do not come with any type of storage system. There is no battery or any other exotic energy storage method that is supplied or even used for the most part. All solar energy is inconsistent and unreliable. There is no way to know when it will be available or how much of it you will get. Now, if you visit my Substack at Dave Swinford, that's all one word, .substack.com, you can see the plots that I'm going to be discussing about here. Now, I'll leave a, a link in the in the show notes for for the article. Now, this plot, there's a plot in the Substack article, is from the week around the summer solstice of 2022, you know, around June of 2022. And it shows the contribution of solar across the whole TVA system, which is not very much, but it was a sunny week, and it's probably one of the better weeks across the whole year. It covers the longest day of the year, and is one of the sunniest times of the year. And there are about seven to eight hours of solar production each day. In contrast, the same plot from the first week of December of 2022, when the sun was behind clouds and rain, so there's essentially zero solar power production. There are just some tiny, tiny blips when the sun was trying to shine. It's a good thing those nuclear and coal plants were pumping out the power. Even on a sunny day in December, you might be thankful to have four hours of good solar power production. So let's see if we can put together a solar plus battery system for a single home in the Tennessee Valley Authority, the TVA area, that would allow us to get off the electrical grid. According to the Energy Information Administration, the EIA, the typical home uses about 900 kilowatt hours of electricity per month. And fortunately, that makes the math easy for us. To get the average daily use, we're just going to divide that 900 by 30 days, and we're going to get about 30 kilowatt hours per day. Now, when we architect the system, we have to assume the limiting case. So we will assume we can have up to five winter days with no usable sunlight, followed by one day with four hours of usable sunlight. So every six day, 
you can charge the battery for four hours. And this is just a scenario, but it's very close to the real-world experience that we saw from the first week of December in 2022. Now, if you live in Phoenix, you're not going to have five non-sunny days in a row. But if you live in a wet, cloudy area or near a coast, you could have even more. Okay, time to do some math. In our scenario, we have five days of no sun times the 30 kilowatt hours required per day, which equals 150 kilowatt hours for the five days. But we will also have to have a six-day stored because we will need to have power on that six-day while we are charging those five days of batteries back up. That gives us a required storage of six times 30 kilowatt hours equals 180 kilowatt hours of battery storage. Now, how large of a solar array will it take to charge 180 kilowatt hours in the four hours of usable sunlight that we get once every six days? And that's going to be 180 divided by four, 180 kilowatt hours divided by four hours equals 45 kilowatts of solar panels. Now, I'm cheating a little bit, and I'm simplifying this because I'm not considering the battery and charger losses and conversion losses between DC to AC and all that. This is just a rough estimate to scope the system. So what's that system cost? Well, if you go visit the Tesla website, they have components and costs of those components like solar panels and batteries, etc. So we can configure a system of Tesla solar panels and battery storage units and see how much that would cost. Now I have a picture of those in my Substack article and you can see these battery units are about five feet tall and three feet wide and six inches thick. And in the picture, they show these, they show three of these things stacked back to back to back. And it's about the size of a small refrigerator. Now, each of these battery systems supplies about 13 kilowatt hours of power. So to supply our 180 kilowatt hours of power, we will need about 14 of these systems. The Tesla website won't let you configure a system that large. But when you plug in the 10 battery systems, the per unit cost comes in at about $9,100 per unit. So our 14 battery units are going to cost us $127,400. And those come with a 10-year warranty. And I have a picture of the order, order summary you can get off the website on the, on the Substack article. Now, the largest solar panel system that Tesla website will quote is a 23.375 kilowatts. And we need 45 kilowatts. So for this exercise, we're going to kind of scale things up. We'll specify two 22.525 kilowatt systems at a cost of $51,808 each, which totals $103,616, and providing just slightly more than just slightly more than 45 kilowatts. Now that brings us brings our hypothetical photovoltaic plus battery system to a total of $231,016. Now, the good news is the American taxpayer has agreed through their corrupt elected officials to pay for almost 30% of that with tax credits. So your real cost now is just $161,711. Now, you won't have to pay any electric bills to your local utility for at least 10 years because that's the guaranteed lifespan of the batteries, at which point you will have to replace that $127,000 batch of batteries, but great news, that 900 kilowatt hours of electricity you're paying about 15 cents per kilowatt hour for, or about $135 per month, now you don't have to pay the electric company a penny. You only get to pay 
$1,372 per month for the $161,000 you have financed over 10 years. Now, use 10 years because that's the batteries are only guaranteed for 10 years. Now, you're, you may be thinking, your calculations are so wrong. The Tesla costs you quoted are too high. There's cheaper and better alternatives out there. I'll admit, I could be wrong. And many times when you rough spec and cost a system like this, the first cut is wrong. And maybe I'm wrong, but let's say I'm off by a factor of 10. Everything I added up was wrong, and the total system cost, real cost, after tax credits is only $16,171, not $161,000. So what does that system cost per month when it's financed over 10 years? Well, that system comes out to about $137 per month. And that's considering 5% interest over 10 years with 20% down. So now that system is somewhat competitive with the current utility prices. Well, at least in some areas. In my area, the electricity costs are more in the order of $0.11 per kilowatt hour. And and I don't have to insure it. I don't have to clean it or service it or keep it everything working properly. And if you've ever seen any of those videos of electric cars or buses that have caught on fire, you might be inclined to add a fire suppression system around that battery pack. Anyways, I think I would. And does the math change for a utility-level system with those huge solar array farms and big, giant battery facilities? Well, the short answer is not really. If you go look at the recent data from the, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory, NREL, which is a group under the Department of Energy, you will find that the utility-scale battery storage costs are around $400 per kilowatt hour. And the photovoltaic costs are around $1.14 per watt, which of course translates to $1,140 per kilowatt. Those numbers match closely with what Tesla has on their website, their mega pack, which comes in at around $500 per kilowatt hour. Now let's apply those numbers to our home system and see how it works out. Our home system would translate to 45 kilowatts times $1,140 per kilowatt, which equals $51,300. And the battery storage cost would be $400 per kilowatt hour times the 180 kilowatt hours we need, which equals $72,000. That results in our home system total cost being $123,300. If a company built this system, the tax credit would still apply and the total system cost after the discount is now $86,310, which is about half of what our consumer level system costs. Now factor in the time value of money, 5%, 10 years, 20% down, and the payment for that is $732 per month. Now again, that $732 is in lieu of the $135 the average consumer is paying. That's greater than five times more expensive just to meet the daily needs. The math doesn't get any better if you multiply the number of consumers by 100,000. We already took the discounted costs for the utility-scale system components. Now you may be thinking, yes, but the other, there's, other, there's other energy storage methods. Well, there are. There's several, but they only get more exotic and more expensive. And if it always works everywhere and was cost-effective, every person and or utility would be doing it. 
I mean, the list is long and varied. There's pumped hydro storage where you pump water back into a reservoir. There's compressed air storage. There's methods of generating hydrogen. There's inertial energy storage where you use excess energy to lift a heavy object of a wheel or you spin a, spin a wheel. There's heated salts, et cetera, et cetera. In the end, all those techniques are just more like some story you read about in popular mechanics than something reproducible and reliable because ultimately they're still just fancy science experiments. Surely this can't be true, you're saying. Surely there are, there are plenty of smart people looking at this all the time and they can't all be wrong. Well, if you want an alternative to look good, you just pick the analysis metric that gets you the answer you want. You can influence almost any analysis with the metric you choose to perform the analysis. The investment bankers have a metric they use in analyzing energy investment alternatives, and it's called the levelized cost of energy, or LCOE. Now, wind and solar look really good against the LCOE metric if you don't include an energy storage system that lasts for more than a handful of hours. At most, in their analysis, they include storage for four hours. Now, since you don't have to fuel those solar rays or wind generators with coal or natural gas or uranium, your operating costs are nearly zero. But it doesn't take a genius to figure out that those four hours are not enough to get you through a dark and windless night. Go look at the energy grid in Texas, known as ERCOT, E-R-C-O-T, and you'll see major contributions from wind and solar until the winter weather gets dark and cold. And when it gets cold, the wind typically slows and those wind turbines quit turning. The natural gas generators have to pick up the slack, and when they don't, you get what happened in February of 2021, where 246 people died from the cold due to the electricity blackouts. It's time to stop the stupid. The bottom line is that solar and wind only work if you have coal, natural gas, or nuclear to back it up. If you rely only on solar or wind, for that matter, then you have to have some type of storage. And when you add that cost into the system, it is not as cost-effective and definitely not as dependable as a fossil fuel-based system. I would encourage you to push back when your utility asks for comments or approval for new projects that include solar or wind because, ultimately, it's going to raise the cost of your electric bill. The utility will still have to maintain fossil fuel generation capability for the limiting conditions of severe winter cold or summer heat. The utility, which passes their costs down to you, will have to continue paying for both the fossil fuel system and the renewable energy system. In the end, renewable energy systems are only useful to collect tax credits and virtue signal to the climate change activists. They cost more, they are inconsistent, and they perform the worst when you need them the most. Again, please pass this along to others so we can inform as many people as possible. And remember to leave a five-star review. And most importantly, subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Facts for What Matter podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to catch our future episodes.